Hi, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome along to the Talent Intelligent Podcast. I'm your host for today, Al McFadden, the Head of Growth Operations at Solutions Driven, and I am delighted to welcome on Petra Scoland, who is the Chief of People and Culture Officer over at Star Stable Entertainment. Pleased, pleased to have you on, Petra, how are you? Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm so happy to be invited, and I'm really excited about our conversation today. Thank you, Petra. I think myself and you have spoke a few times now since back in October time, and I think that the listeners today have got a real treat in hand. The experience of your, your career is going to be beneficial, but also your views on what our chosen subject today is, is, even, is even more popular. What I would say is I always like to start the podcast with just getting a little bit of background. So I'm quite interested to hear how was it you managed to, to go into HR roles even a way back? I mean, I was reading back, it's gone back nearly, nearly 15 years, is it? Or just a little bit longer now? So how did that go into? Actually, like 24 years. 24. I've been working with HR of my life. Yeah, That's right. like better. Great. Yeah. So how, how did you manage to fall into the roles? I think it's always interesting. What was it that drove you to do so? Uh, I really love HR and the people function because without people, there will be no business. But on the other hand, you have to understand the business and be close to your business leaders and how you bring value to the customer to make a relevant people function. And I love that combination and how much you can actually support both personal growth and company growth by adding cultural values and, and also, you know, the right skills and and everything that comes with the function. So I've just found it nerdy interesting my <laughs> entire working life, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, and I think, is is it something that, did you always feel when you were younger you were going to fall into that career? Or was it just, how was it you managed to just, was it a chance meeting you went into? Or what was it that drove you into doing it? Now, I, I started uh, studying at university, uh, the HR program, yeah. but at the same time, I actually took uh, corporate finance. I, I studied both mm-hmm. at the same time. And I love the combination of finance and HR. I couldn't really decide. But yeah. then I ended up working in HR and really got to love it. And I quite started. early in my career, started my own recruitment company, which I had for five years. Yes. But then... I didn't felt that I grew so much and I had a customer where I had recruited a lot and they said, hey, Petra, we want an HR department. It was a startup and they were yeah. like 120 people at the time. It said, can you not come in and start our HR department? And I said, yes, I can do it. I had never done it, but how hard could it be? I thought I was quite young. <laughs> yeah. So, And then I took it from there and then I have been given and asked to come and join so many fun great companies both startups and then really large global companies where i also have had global senior hr roles so i have been had the fortune to step in and out of big global corporation and then some of the best startups in sweden and i just love it it's so fun to be part of growth journeys actually yeah yeah and listen i think that's where it comes hand in hand, doesn't it, with business growth? If we can get the right type of HR functions and t- stuff in place, whether you're a startup or a big company, it's, it's became more important. And I think it kind of, listen, it leads on to the subject that I'm most excited to let our listeners hear about today. And that's when me and you first spoke, we spoke about the real value, especially going into 2023, of mm-hmm. the value proposition of your company and the culture that you want to create. And it's not just round about how you want to have the culture and have that um, kind of value proposition, but how you live and breathe it every day as a company. And I think 
with my team here, as you know, we're, we're quite big on educating the marketplace. And the more people I speak to, it's amazed me how far down the list it comes when they look at how to attract new talent. And in today's market, when you can find a company value or a culture by the click of a button, which we all know, you can look on the internet now and get a feel for what you're looking for. I think when I spoke to you about the values of that, especially with the roles you've been doing, I think it'd be quite good to hear your background on that and just tell the listeners a little bit about where you see that in 2023. Yes, I think values are more and more important because the values is what keeps us connected. You know, yeah. as a company, if we speak the same language and have the same understanding and share the same view on how to operate and how to act and all of that, we don't need to spend so much time on understanding it. Yeah. Then we can actually spend time on doing the business because we have our hearts and minds in the same place. Yeah. And yeah. I think if you don't like the values and you don't like the culture and, and you don't feel fitted, you will leave the company. Yeah. And you might not be able to perform at your best either. No. And what I love with Star Stable, uh, that is really focusing on on computer game, a horse game for girls. Uh, it's really, we create an immense world for girls in the gaming industry, which is quite different. And they have done so for 10 years. We also attract female talents because we really have this strong, strong brand. We live it for our consumers, for the players, but we also live it internally in how we act with being extremely innovative in, in diversity and inclusion, where yeah. everyone is included and we try to understand each other and so forth. But I think it's extremely to live and breathe your values all the time. And here, kindness is a superpower and we talk a lot about it and I love that. It's nice to be kind, you know. Yeah, and with regards to, I know you mentioned in one of the subjects we spoke about previous, and I do hear a lot with people speaking about this subject is, I know diversity is such a, a big um, offer now in a lot of companies and living and breathing and having a diversity officer and structure, et cetera. But one thing you mentioned to me when we spoke was around about the age of people that come into the business. And I found that really interesting because, like you said, it doesn't necessarily... I think people have got now that young people expect something different from company values and structure to what somebody in the middle of their career or come to the end of their career will. Can you just give us a little bit of insight on what, what you are you are kind of thinking behind that as well? Yes. Uh, yeah, that is super interesting. I mean, I've just entered the gaming industry. I have worked in, you know, in pharma and in, in uh, transportation and in proper industry. Uh, property industry but going into gaming industry i didn't have that background i didn't know it but i was super curious and really interested in it and often you know people that have long experience are excluded because there is this mindset that they are not so curious anymore they cannot uh, take that step into a new industry and also on all of that so there is a lot of prejudice where you don't include different generations in the same workplace yeah. however yeah. i think if you look at my generation we come and bring a lot of experience i was born in the 70s you know all these youngsters i'm kind of their mom in the office <laughs> but i want the same as they do and i also did race i have my own kids uh, i have a 90 year old and honestly i raised him to have these values and even if i maybe didn't think like that when i entered the job market mm -hmm. in the 1990s i definitely feel the same way as they do today we share the same values and when i sit down and talk to my best friends you know what do we want uh now in our career we still have 20 years to work probably i don't think we get any good pensions anyway <laughs> so we 
need to work a lot for a long time, but we want the same as the young ones. We want this honest, transparent and nice companies where we feel that we also like the values, the leadership. I want a good boss. I'm no different. I want to be a good boss because I'm at that level now, but I also want a good boss. Yeah. And do you feel, do you feel that's been, I think we we had a chat about it once today, actually, I think quite interesting that a lot of people were saying that's got to do with this chat around about millennials now and people do get things a little bit easier. Like they can, if you want something, you can go on an app usually and it will do it for you. Do you think that's why that, that miscommunication has came? Do you think it's because of people just expect things quicker in a younger age group compared to age group middle-aged or if you're looking, why, why do you feel as though that came about where it was lost a little bit when we look at company values that should be generic across all ages rather than just one specific age group? I honestly don't know. But one reason can, of course, also be that in very many industries, you have been for a long time fighting for new skills, new tech skills, because there is the digitalization is making such an enormous shift in the market on what competence needed. And therefore, you need the ones that come from the university who's got the latest skills, especially in tech and definitely in gaming industry. but actually in all sorts of industry that have any touch of digital onto it and every industry has that. So I think it's also not only about the generation shift has also been about a huge, huge competence shift yeah. and where you try to navigate to find those with the latest skills. However, you need people from all generations because most likely your customers will come from most different generations mm-hmm. and perhaps what you sell as a product, as a company, well, if you really want to understand your market and your customers, maybe you also need to mirror that in, in the people you have in the company. Yeah. And in a real diverse company, you understand your target audience because you embrace and invite to the table to deliver the product people from all kinds of backgrounds and generations uh, and, and gender and so forth. Uh, and nationalities as well, of course, all of that. It's been such a, we, we speak about it, we have our own um, diversity officer that's came in. It's such a large subject now, isn't it? And I think sometimes, especially when you're looking at your values, you do and you really need to live and breathe them. So I think that's something that is very close to our heart here at Solutions Driven. But I think when we first spoke, it was the very thing, you could hear the energy in you when, when I was speaking to you about that, that you, you genuinely believe in it, which is, is something that's great. I think the biggest thing, the one thing you touched on there, I'd like to elaborate a little bit on, when you've been that type of boss, so the type of leader that you want to be, how do you go about giving giving your team the right type of, or setting the scene, that the right values that the company has aligned with your values of being a boss? How do you, do you find that challenging or is it something that has been quite easy for you? I think I have learned to always go to bed feeling good about decisions I've taken, conversations yeah. I've had, and not compromise. Um, and and maybe that comes also with some kind of experience that you want to be the leader that you want for yourself. And I think my personal, very personal value that I bring wherever I go is that I hope that I someday get opportunity to report to someone that reported to me. Because I'm so confident that I'm not the smartest, the brightest, or most ambitious person in the room, never. But it's my job to understand how others want to grow. And if they want to outgrow me, let me be the one 
helping them to take those steps. And I think that is about growth culture, which I think most companies actually have. I haven't never met a company that say, no, we don't want people to grow with us. It just doesn't happen. But you have to have it really embedded. And also living the values is about creating processes that lives the value. Yeah. And that is the performance appraisal that you actually reward performance according to company values like how do we do and live and breathe the value on a daily basis and how do we speak about them and i'm actually right now i've had two amazing days with uh, with star stable we're sitting in a sister studio avalanche studios in stockholm yeah. we have borrowed their conference rooms uh, they have borrowed ours and then we've been sp speaking about exactly how do we bring the values to light for each and everyone for our leaders to embrace it in their daily leadership but also for employees to really feel it what can we do even better? Because one of the challenges, as I see them, has been the hybrid and the remote. During COVID, awesome. we have lost a lot of the cultural glue that we used to have. Yeah. And no, we don't want everyone to be back in the office all the time again. But we need to find a new way to find the cultural glue and the value glue. And maybe also with the hybrid, uh, the values are even more important to really have it as a super strong company DNA. And is how how would you go about measuring that out of curiosity picture? How do you is it through staff attrition? Is it doing like kind of we, we do quite a lot of here at social and we do quite a lot of like staff surveys to hear. I'll get through a couple from our, our chief officer as well. That's sometimes got to do with like questions about remote working or how are you feeling that your training's been going or there's a lot of stuff there. How do you how do you see as a good way of measuring? where that's been successful and how the values are meeting the, the, the kind of employees that you have there? I think you actually need to go on the normal traditional people KPIs. You yeah. do your surveys, you do them constantly. To some extent, keep the process, you know. You see if you have turnover and you also see what people say in the exit interviews. Yeah. But you will have less exit interviews and, and more healthy turnover. And to me, a healthy turnover actually somewhere between 10 and 15% because people grow. And if you have a growth culture, they probably will grow out their, of their roles, uh, some of them, and might want to grow somewhere else. But you don't need to measure it, I think, in any fancy-pansy way. Yeah, just keep it simple. Yeah, keep it simple because then it's easier to do. Yeah. But the culture still, in a really good company, you have very little harassment, for instance. You don't have the whistleblowing cases because you have a culture. You know what's right and wrong. Yeah. So there are other ways where you really haven't, you have zero tolerance for bullying, for sexual harassment, for fraud, you know, for, for police reports or compliance and all of that. And if those are zero, then I think you do something right. Yeah, and I think especially... I've I've heard and I've read a few bits in the paper recently about where that process starts to fail. You can't hide from it, can you? Your company really is starts to get that reputation of, like I said to you today, it becomes in today's market especially you can put in a company's name and put news into the, the into Google for talking sake, and you will know everything you need to know at the touch of a button. And I think now more than ever, I think when we it's that's what surprised me most. Picture I listen my my team here obviously interviewed quite a lot of people looking to hire, looking to see, we, we obviously have procedures here that we follow when we do successful hires at Solutions Driven, but when we ask people about their culture or their values, it's always pretty medium down the list. It always comes after a lot of other things, and that's why I was quite keen to hear from you today. Do you think new hire managers, when they're putting a strategy together, 
do you think it should be at the very top of the list? Yes, definitely. And we have been spoken about exactly that today because you can hire for skills, but if they don't have the cultural fit, it will not work. But if you hire for cultural fit, they can always learn the skills if there is just a small gap, if there is a bit of a gap. Yeah. But you cannot hire for cultural fit. And of course, you want both cultural fit and performance and skills. Well, you have a few superstars, yeah. but yeah. the cultural fit is such an essence for daily life to work, especially in a hybrid world especially if you don't meet all the time, because then you can connect anyway. However, company culture is also something you need to learn because you might come in and you are the right kind of guy, but we need to teach you what is our culture. So I need, I think you need to have a really strong cultural introduction plan as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that you really set people up for success from day one. You cannot expect that onboarding will happen by magic. If you don't talk to people on what you expect and why, and also be quite keen on informing, hey, maybe you can do things a little bit different. Dare to have the difficult conversations if people derail the culture. Yeah. Uh, for, like speak up. We love speak up where I am today. Yeah. We love when people get say their opinion and and have a view and thing. But on the other hand, there are areas that is just a frame. Everybody don't need to have an opinion about how we do travel reimbursement. It is what it is. <laughs> there yeah. is a lot of areas that is just compliance. This is how we do it. And in our culture, well, let's focus the energy and speak up where it really makes sense. How to make value for players, for instance. Yeah. And all of that source of, well, where every company has their culture. But I think you need to train people in culture as well. Or what do you think? Am I wrong in that? No, I get it. I mean, I think a lot of the time... Listen, I, I think the, the reason I'm at Solutions Driven about five months now, but I was left under no certain terms what the value and belief of this company was from the minute I met Gavin, who is the CEO. His passion, his drive for the company was the thing that intrigued me to start. But then when I seen not only the career path, but what they do from, they have success stories all over this business of people who have been in and got successful, but they live and breathe their values that they have. They they have a few that are very Scottish, which I quite like. There's one called Grab the Thistle, which is that when you are like a thistle in Scotland is obviously jaggy, etc. So they have now got, they've got something that's really somebody pushing outside their boundaries and, and how can they, what did they do to grab the thistle to bring the company forward? And we reward people on their behaviours, the four key behaviours that we have here every, every quarter. And I think that everybody in this business is left under no kind of illusions is about what you need to do to be successful. But I genuinely believe, and I always have done over the last three, four years, that even in previous roles I've had, when you can get a culture and belief of the business aligning with the culture beliefs of the person that you're employing, I haven't seen a bad, bad situation come out of that yet. You know, I think everybody seems to be pushing in the right direction. One thing I have seen for that though, Petra, which I wouldn't mind asking you about, is I was speaking to a business owner just before Christmas and he was saying he finds it harder to get high performers buying into to business culture, et cetera. Have you ever come across that in your your career that you feel that there's a certain persona that's harder? He feels as though his high performers are always harder to get to to, to kind of come along that journey with the com with the company because they're more me, me, me or that type of belief. Have you ever you ever seen that in your in your no, past? I don't no, because I don't think they're high performers in that environment then. Yeah. 
That is, you know, the high framework, the high performance framework. You have to decide what is a high performer for us yeah. and stick to it and be strict with it. But you also have to sell the company right when you recruit. Yeah. Because if you don't sell the culture, I think sometimes people join and get super disappointed because what they were told and what the, the job ad was so silly and it was so like everything is amazing here. But at the end, yeah, we do have boundaries and this is right and this is wrong and this is our culture. And it is in this frame, you can be super successful. Yeah. And if yeah. that is not defined enough, people people with an ambition will start to run in their own direction. Yeah. But the more clear you can be like, hey, I would love to work with you when we are heading towards this, this North Star. And I want you to be with me on it. And this is how we do it then people will perform because most people actually join a company because they want to be successful. Yeah. So no, I don't agree with him, I must say. That's, it's an interesting subject because I believe even inside workplaces of, I obviously coach a lot of salespeople and to me, high performers are, sometimes they need a little bit more of this is what works, but it's more a behavioral thing. It's not like something to do with the company's culture or anything like that. So that's why I thought I'd ask. I was just wondering whether I had that at the top of my mind. I remember that conversation. I think, listen, just um, one one kind of final thing on this for me, and I think is um, probably the best bit of advice you could give us today is if you were a new start company or you're a company that doesn't feel you're really getting your company's values, et cetera, is there any kind of top tips you would give somebody who's starting down to think, right, I want to get my behaviours and my culture right so I, I I attract the right type of talent. What would your kind of best advice be today, people? My best advice is to define it very structured and very clear. And also go out there, read some books and look at the best. If you if you look in Sweden, hey, IKEA was pretty good at it. Yeah, right. They have kept their culture all the way, you know. Yeah. We sell cheap uh, furniture in boxes, end of period. And if it's not cheap, it's not for us. Yeah. And I think keep your story and be really, really good as an entrepreneur on your storytelling. Yeah. But what yeah. I've also found where I've been now at Star Stable, but in my previous gig job, I think uh, a startup that was uh, last year acquired by American Visa yeah. and for a hilarious amount of money. I was <laughs> vice president for people office and corporate IT during one year during the merge and that, the acquisition. Mm -hmm. And I was there to also safeguard that their startup culture wasn't eaten up by the visa merge so yeah. that they keep the entrepreneurial DNA. And what they have done really, really well, and what had made them very successful, and I was really impressed by the founders there, they really had set their culture straight from the beginning. Yeah. They started, yeah. they knew, they had their storyline, and they kept it, and they were entrepreneurial. But you do come to a certain point in a startup's history, around 150 people actually, according to science, yeah. where you need more structure than you used to have before. And there, I think the culture can be the glue that keep the vibe and the energy from the beginning, but you still can put up some boring boundaries like, you know, templates and 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 perhaps travel reimbursements and stuff. <laughs> All of that kind of stuff that come with being a little bit more people because you need to be structured. Yeah. But keep the business culture anyway and how you collaborate and all of that, you can still keep it. But set it from the beginning and keep your story and love your story. Do you Believe know, in it. I've never heard that um, quote before of entrepreneurial um, kind of culture and what you started your company and li really living the beliefs from the point of when you first dreamed your company. I think that's super, super important for our listeners to listen to. So I think um, 
firstly, I mean, I know how busy you are, Petra, so I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to our listeners today. But there's always something I like to do at the end of our podcast where I would like you to give, if you were to speak to somebody coming into the HR kind of space industry, what would be the top bit of advice you would give them as somebody coming into it? Uh, understand the values of the company that you are supporting and work super hard to get the business to also embrace it. And times of change are coming everywhere right now because it's pretty tough out there. Uh, A lot of companies are doing layoffs and a lot of companies are also struggling much more than we did a year ago or two years ago. So keeping your values tight and your beliefs and that storytelling of the heart of the business so that people can feel still the proudness also in hard times, even more in the, the in the hard times. Yeah. Um, invest in that, read about it, uh, look it up and, and, don't, and don't hesitate to be strong in driving value propositions and, and the values, the core values of the company so that it's always with you on the journey. Petra, I think that is the perfect way for me to, to, to finish off this episode. So listen, thank you very much um, for, for your time. And yeah, we look forward to our next episode here at the Talent Intelligent Podcast. Thanks, Petra. Thank you.